0: Open a Colossians chapter four. Colossians four. Nathan read Colossians four, verse three and four. Um, Jake read uh, First Corinthians one, eighteen. Andy, Hebrews four twelve, and um, Josh read Ezra seven verse nine. Ezra seven verse nine in uh, in Antarctica, in the South Pole, they have a uh, a research station there. It's 840 miles from the nearest civilization. It's 80 below zero. And uh, one of the the female workers there needed some medicine. She needed it as an emergency, so the Air Force had to drop it in the middle of winter, (coughs) had to drop it to her. But at 80 below, when it's dropped, it'll only last for seven minutes and then it'll it'll freeze and become useless. So in this, they set up barrels to uh, uh, mark in, uh, in the driving snow, lit them on fire, and it's a very interesting statement that the pilot uh, made who was going to do the dropping. He said, this is the most difficult mission I have done. He said, the whole thing is a loss if we don't put it where they can get it. And I read that. I said, that is a... That is a great statement about communication. And uh, we're going to talk in the book of Colossians chapter 4. Paul speaks about communicating. He prays that he would be able to communicate clearly. So I'm going to teach for a few minutes about putting it where they can get it. Colossians 4, 3 and 4. Meanwhile,
1: praying also for us that God would open to us a door for the word to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am also in chains, that I may make it manifest
0: as I ought to speak. That I may make it manifest in that translation. Other translations say that I may say it clearly. Putting it where they can get it. Let's talk first of all about the power uh, of the Word. The, the Bible says the Word of God, it has power in itself. That There is something supernatural. That's why reading your Bible is more than Christian duty or exercise. It's something supernatural. Hebrews 4.12.
1: For the Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart.
0: Okay, it's supernatural. It's able to get inside. That's what that scripture is actually talking about, is the Word of God is able to get down deep inside of you. And uh, so that's the power of the Word. So... It is the Word of God declared. That is really how the, uh, the power of the Word becomes uh, activated. 1 Corinthians
1: 1.18 For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to those who are being saved, it is the power of God.
0: Okay, he says the message of the cross. It's the preaching of the cross, as other translations say. It's okay. So, for us, what does this have to do with us? Anytime we witness, give our testimony, pull an altar call, street preach, teach a Bible study, Sunday school class, or preach a sermon, the Bible says there is power that can be released. But now, we come back to our Scripture. Paul says we can hinder the effectiveness of the power that is is built into the Word of God, by not communicating it clearly, uh, or not communicating it uh, correctly. Verse four, I think it's the NIV says, "Pray that I may proclaim it clearly." So this was his concern. Think about this. He's he's writing in a in a letter that would have to be hand delivered. You know, people would walk, go by boat, travel by donkey. This is a This was a big deal to him. Pray that I may preach it clearly. Because, in other words, he understood the Word of God is powerful, but if I don't preach it clearly, it is not as effective uh, as it could be. So that's the power of the Word. So let's talk about some areas of putting it where they can get it, using that illustration. The pilot said it doesn't do any good... I've got life-saving medicine, he drops it from the plane, but if it's not going to be where they can use it, it's going to be ineffective. So we're going to use that. Think about some ways that we can communicate the Word of God that actually hinder our effectiveness. Number one, we do this when we use religious language to sinners. Okay, In witnessing and testifying, this is is common. I don't don't know if you understand that Christians have their own language. It's called Christianese. (laughs) We use words that no one else uses. I have heard testimonies through the years that were literally, I want to give all the honor and the glory and praise to my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who redeemed me by the power of His salvation. So, sinners don't talk like that. Right? That that wasn't what <laughs> that wasn't what people said at parties and bars was by you know the glory of the beer is just going to bring manifestation of the <laughs> no <laughs> sinners don't talk like that and so if you are if you're trying to communicate to sinners and you're speaking another language then it is it's absolutely going to do you. Uh, no good. So, they don't make the connection. You may actually be saying something that is life-changing, but they're not making the connection because that has nothing to do with me when I'm in a in a place where, where people speak another language. And when they're talking, I, I just tune it out because it clearly has nothing to do with me. Right? Uh, whatever. If someone wants... To apply to me, they're going to have to talk in my language. And so what happens, exactly like if I'm in a place where they're not speaking my language, I tune it out, (coughs) everything else they may have to say will be tuned out because I'm not speaking that language. That is true. You have to recognize that. And we do it because if you say that to a Christian, if you talk about glory, redemption, the salvation, the propitiation... A Christian doesn't go, what? A Christian, yeah. Oh, yeah. They get what you're talking about. They speak the language. So, that means then, in some ways, you have to think about your witness. You have to think about your testimony. If you pull altar calls, you have to think about your altar call from an unsaved person's uh, perspective. Would someone who knows nothing about Jesus, understand what I'm saying. And that's the the question that you have to ask if you want to be effective. So, in in administering to sinners, what you have to do is you have to work out what is it that makes a connection to a sinner. They don't speak the language of propitiation, redemption, glory, salvation... They do, however, understand guilt, need, fear, broken relationships, right? Anger, bitterness. They do understand those things. Emptiness. So when you're talking from your perspective, when you're telling your story, this is what I was like, if you are making a connection in what was it that moved you to God, that's what you need to say, not Christianese. And that will be communicating clearly. Second area of uh, uh, putting it where they can get it, you're going to cause a problem if you wind up speaking over their heads. And this is in a number uh, of areas. You know, when, when some people talk, uh, they wind up being—I don't know if you ever talked to somebody who's like really, really, really smart—and they have an area of expertise. They start talking, and uh, you know, I talked to Ed Kidwell. The guy's a genius. He starts talking about computers, and he was telling me the other day it's because the dove cuts isn't like—I I have no idea what you're talking about, Ed. I don't know. Just fix it, please. That's all I know. <laughs> <laughs> okay? It doesn't mean it. I, it's like you're talking here. I'm down. Down here, <laughs> computer people work on computers. They have a saying for their stupid customers. They say, "Pebcag problem exists between keyboard and computer." That's that's me. Okay, so so if you ever talk to somebody and, and and they're like, it's going over your head, but that's true. Guys do that with the the word of God. As an illustration. Jesus said to them, Who do you say that I am? And they replied, You are the eschatological manifestation of the ground of our being, the kerygma, in which we find the ultimate meaning of our interpersonal relationships. And Jesus said, What? (laughs) (laughs) So there are guys that they in the Word of God now. They study, study, and they found out what they... You know, that's why I don't spend a lot of time telling you what the original Greek word means because I don't know a lot of Greek speakers. That may be interesting to me. I may really like it. I may have worked hard to learn this. So sometimes guys talk over he- people's heads when they're preaching, maybe because they're trying to impress. That's their pride. Some people are very educated, but they're not very practical, and that's a that's a difficulty. Is they they really do understand a lot. But the key, I, guys, i got this great thought, and I often ask them, but what's the point? And I've guys go, uh, I don't know. Then you shouldn't preach it. Because a sermon has to have a point. <coughs> what do you want them to do with it? So, uh, So, preaching clearly, you have to make sure you're not preaching over people's heads. Clear communication involves... Recognizing your audience. And this is very important. In every every time you are in a setting where you are going to communicate, it would really help if you know something about the audience in general. You don't have to know every person, but but uh, you know what what nationality are these people? What uh, what is their educational status? What language do they uh, speak? This is uh, When I was in, uh, you know, I spent many, many years of my life overseas and seven and a half years in South Africa. I would have guys come and preach and they never took time to think. So they're giving American slang terms that no one understands. They're using baseball analogies to people who don't play baseball, have never seen baseball, we're going to hit a home run for Jesus. That means nothing. So that's the whole point. Right, here we go. I'm going to preach tonight on hitting a home run for Jesus. If <laughs> you missed it. If you're using baseball analogies, people don't play baseball. That's not wise. You have completely missed uh, uh, the point. So they didn't think that, that through. <laughs> Sometimes, if you if you uh, if you become a pastor and you preach, is that uh, it may be someday you will preach through an interpreter. <coughs> if you preach through an interpreter, you're going to have to, unless the interpreter is incredibly uh, efficient, you're going to have to simplify in some way. You got to think about that. And, uh, and then, of course, I was, I was actually very blessed that I, I pastored in Australia and then South Africa, but in Australia I had lots of nationalities. I had people who had limited English. So, therefore, I learned how to get rid of big words and keep it simple. I can say the same thing using a word this long, or I can say the same thing using a word this long that they can get. Or I learn how to say something and give a short which means and explain. Because that I want to make sure that my audience was not limited to people who had my language and my educational abilities. So that's, that's a part of communicating clearly is you have to think about uh, your audience. Martin Luther. He would preach each sermon. He would practice Had a milkmaid. So this would be absolutely no education. He would preach the sermon to her to see whether she understood it. If she understood it, then he could preach it. If she couldn't understand it, he had to change it. That's wise. That's that's communicating clearly. And then, of course, then, and I've done whole lessons on this, but uh, you are not putting it where they can get it if you're you're preaching without clarity. Is when you are preaching unconnected thoughts. I pull a bit of the Bible here, a bit of the Bible there, then your sermon will be mush. It won't have clarity if you don't take the time to understand the text personally. You just you got a thought and you're racing off. If you don't follow a single theme. Good preaching chooses one theme and develops that theme. It doesn't pull out everything you possibly see in the Scripture. And of course, as I said before, what do you want people to do with this? So if you know that in your preaching, you're going to make that clear. And then, of course, not organizing your thoughts logically will make your sermon unclear. There is a natural order to communication a natural order and those that do concert altar calls I teach them the order should be illustration you want to capture their attention application why did you just tell them this story related to the gospel in some way you preach this straight gospel that's declaration and fourthly, you bow their heads and you make the appeal. How many of you want to respond to what I just said? That's logical. The guy should not just stand out and go, bow your heads. I was reading the other day, no, that's out of order, right? That's true in preaching, is that there is, sometimes there is a problem, uh, <coughs> uh, you know, I presented the problem here in point one, that is, you can communicate unclearly which hinders your effectiveness. <coughs> Point two was how does this work out in what way? This is logical. It's called linear thinking in a line. If this is true then that must be true then that must be true. The human brain can follow that. If you ever listen to a man and you say he's easy to follow then that man is communicating clearly. I had uh, uh, one of the missionaries who was it, a missionary in China said his wife was taking notes when I was there and from my notes the comment was made I could have preached from the notes she took from your sermon that's, that's very good I thank God that means then I was successfully communicating clearly they were getting what I was saying Finally, the power of clarity. And this, of course, is logical, a logical thought. Clarity, then, in our scripture, is something that has to be valued and sought. Paul asked God for it. Verse 4, Pray. <clears throat> Pray for me that I may proclaim it clearly. You have to want to communicate clearly. If you want it, ask God, because it's a miracle dimension from God. But on the other hand, you can work at it. Communication is a skill. Things that are hurting uh, your communication abilities, you can work on them. You can learn how to communicate better. No one can choose to be someone else. I want to be like that guy uh, uh, necessarily. But you certainly can be the best version of yourself. You can improve yourself. I don't know whether you'll be Joe Campbell or whoever you want to be, but but you can certainly improve in some way. So that means communication. if you want to if you want to communicate effectively, that is something you need to uh, need to study. You need to read books. You can ask questions. that's That's one of the reasons why we have breakfast. It's one of the reasons why we have serious men. So you can ask questions. Some of the questions that are asked are about communicating. Clearly, listen to yourself, which is painful. I don't, I don't know of anybody who likes listening to them, so I hate my voice in listening to it. But sometimes I will listen, and I'm not impressed with the tone, but I wanna, I'm, I'm listening. Am I doing irritating, you know, God uh, wants to move uh, in your life. Uh. That's not going to work. <laughs> Inflections and and different ways of communicating that I do occasionally listen because I want to get better and then listen to other people not with a critical spirit but with a good heart this guy is good why is he why why am I drawn to how he 's communicating what what is he doing apart from what is he saying what is he doing and then guys who are not communicating clearly the point is not that you become a critic you know minus ten, dude. The the point is that you I can learn I can learn from even someone who's doing bad. Right? Say, hmm, don't do that. So that's a good thing to to learn. Clarity is a powerful force. If we communicate clearly, giving your testimony all the way to preaching conference sermons, God blesses it. We remove the natural hindrances of communication errors, then this is not, a, this is not a, a, a sales job. God goes to work. That's the point. The power is in the Word. I have to get out of the way by not communicating uh, in unclear ways. Then God is able to go to work. Ezra 7, verse 9.
1: On the first day of the first month, he began his journey from Babylon and on the first day of the fifth month he came to Jerusalem according to the good hand of his God upon him.
0: Okay, according to the good hand of his God and the uh, that was upon him, and the context there is Ezra uh, went and they were teaching the word of God. That is the context. And the good hand of his God. In other words, it... it it uh, doesn't talk about, you know, his. the tone of his voice was so pleasing. It says, God did something. And that's ultimately what we want to accomplish. So, that's putting it where they can get it, on communication. Questions? Something you want to ask about communication? Um, when witnessing, uh, is it okay
1: to, kind of based on what you're saying... I guess develop a formula of when I talk to people I say this and if they say this I say this and if they say this and it, so it's like a communication that's a set thing
0: and you know you,
1: yeah you, you know you,
0: sure so the, the bottom line is, that, is, is that that is a that's possible uh, you know the, the real issue is just do it open your mouth something will come out God can use, you know, if you talk through a donkey, I'm sure he can use something that I say. So, uh, so that, that's the key. But yeah, sure, there are some basic... Once you begin, when the first... Obviously, if you're, uh, if you're beginning to witness, there's no way that you will know everything they're going to say. So just say something, leap in, and, and God may help you. That'd be fine. Tell your story. But then you do learn, and people do often say the same things. Like... I, I know that if I witness at some point, someone's going to say, "What about the starving kids in Africa?" Right? What about the dinosaurs? I run into a lot. The uh, I do good
1: things. Do what? I do good things.
0: The person. Thing sure. Thinking. Yeah. So I mean, there. Are, yeah, there are common things that you that you have a response. <coughs> have a response to. So that's possible.
1: Yep. The way you write out a an altar call or sermon, would you recommend or, or think it'd be applicable to? Almost like write out your testimony, or, or kind of get some main points of your testimony that you can follow. I hear a lot of testimonies that tend to ramble just because of nerves and stuff. But I'm the same way. Yeah. And so using this, would you think practice? A yeah, idea?
0: absolutely, absolutely. So everyone here should think about your testimony. In other words, you you I've done whole things on testimonies before. A testimony is not, you know, when I was five. I had a birthday party. There were blue balloons, and then I went to kindergarten. It was called, you know, it's not biographical information. You're telling things for a reason, right? What were you like before you got saved? But the whole, my whole point in telling that is to make a connection with someone who is unsaved. So I'm not simply going to give. I was raised. I had, you know, four sisters, and that's the material. What I'm saying is part of my testimony because I want to make a connection. Absolutely. You need to think that through. And there were details that there are guys that they uh, they don't they don't, uh, they're just kind of jamming through, but if they thought about it, there were specific things that they went through and I said, you know, I don't know if I can ever change or, or is there any way, you know, in my family can i break the curse of broken relationships or there's something in there that will touch somebody in the audience as well and that's that's what uh, telling the story so it's logical of course you know uh, when i was a concert director i would ask people to testify what you were like before you got saved how did you get saved and what has it been like since and that's that's that those are three crucial elements and in all of those, the point is to make connection with a sinner. I'm not, I'm not actually talking to the Christians. It's two potential sinners in the audience. Things I went through before I was saved that maybe they can relate to. What was going on in how I got saved? What were you thinking? I don't know about you. I had no intention of getting saved. I, the night I got saved, I was not caught. No way. So, And there may be people that are sitting there. And then what has it been like since? For me, I'm telling you, the night that I got saved, guilt lifted off my shoulders. And, uh, so that's, that is the essence of uh, telling a testimony. So you you thinking about that. Yeah, practice. Absolutely. And there are guys that sometimes, uh, you know, I've even helped people. It's like, <coughs> dude, you've got a powerful story. You tell it terribly. <laughs> You're missing the point. You should emphasize this. And that the other thing, right? So uh, in altar calls, sometimes
1: it can feel tedious to define things like like sin means this and repent means that. And uh, not as a rule, but is it sometimes acceptable to um, just use synonyms instead of using the, uh, the Bible word for something? Like, give me an example. So instead of Jesus died for your sins, Jesus died for all the wrong things you've ever done. Or instead of you know repent, you know you need to, to change your mind and admit you're a sinner.
0: Well, you know, repent is a uniquely Christian word, so you definitely have to define that word. Mm. And uh and when you talk about sin to uh, uh, you know, to an animal activist, the fact that you're wearing a leather belt is a sin. So, uh, that may be a that it, you you may be doing a disservice by just simply saying a term without defining it, so you that is the point, but doing so quickly right you, you, you can say things just hit it in passing you hear me do that every altar call as, um, defining hitting things in passing i don't i don 't stop with every word and give every possible definition, list every sin, but there are things that are defined so <coughs> So all the things that you're doing, what we're doing is we're declaring the Word of God. So uh, while I do think that they have to understand what it means, you do have to declare what the Bible calls this, sin. Right. Okay. So, And then uh, in in regular preaching, <clears throat>
1: there's been things that I, I knew made sense, but I had to really stop and think about how can I say this in a simple way. Yep. Ever, do you ever write down actual wordings, specific wordings, in your in your notes? If if that is a, a thing that could easily be muddled.
0: Yeah. Yep. Yep. And that's and that's good. They're, um Yeah. So and some guys' uh, brains they they work really fast. They say things well. You know, I work on sermons uh, with guys, and. Um, if I'm just, it helps me. So I have a thought, uh, you know. Um, I, I call one of my pastor friends, and uh, and they respond. Some of them, they have a way of just saying things brilliantly. It's like, man, that that was great. I'm like, saying, and they go, duh, duh, duh. it's like, that was good. You know, Tom Payne does that. Uh, Richard Ruby does that. They they got a very they, I, I admire men with brains. They got brains, you know. They they say things in a good way. So yeah. So, but but the point is is if my brain is not working like that, then I'll write it down. Sure. I want to say it as clearly as possible. Sometimes I'll just I'll, I'll rearrange the wording, right? I'll I'll write it down, or in my sense I I type and I look at it uh, as you just put the word at the front. That's that's but I want to communicate as clearly as possible. A flow of a sentence, but that's you know most of us you're not worrying about sentence flow at this point in time. But but I absolutely I work to become clear. That is that is my passion. Like right, Paul, pray for me. You want to pray? Pray for me. One of the things you should pray is that I'm able to communicate clearly. Yes. Somebody else. Speak up, Daniel.
1: You typically make some kind of a thesis statement or something similar when you're starting on a sermon. Help you.
0: Thesis statement or yeah, visa statement? What do you...
1: Thesis, T-H-E uh,
0: well, I always, in the beginning of the sermon, I always start a sermon with an illustration so they'll listen, right? So they'll stop playing with their phone or picking their nose or whatever they're doing. You know, I tell an interesting story, and then I make a statement that tells them what the whole sermon is about, if that's what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. I always do that, yes. So in our scripture, we see, in this one, my thesis statement was the communication of the gospel. Paul says we must communicate clearly.
1: When you're writing, Yeah, yeah. I have
0: to understand it. I have to know where I'm where I'm going. So, if I if I cannot uh, if I can't before I start writing the sermon out, <coughs> if I can't write it down, I'm probably making a mistake. Because your your theme, I you called it a thesis statement. Your theme that is your theme. We must communicate clearly. Uh, the Word of God. That is my entire theme. So therefore, uh, uh, there, there were other words and other thoughts in Colossians 4, 3, and 4 about in my chains and I was in prison for the gospel. But that's not what I'm preaching about. I'm not preaching about persecution. I'm not talking about the cost. I'm, all I'm talking about is communication. So that tells me what to leave out. That's why I use a theme. somebody else a big idea is another way of saying the theme thesis the big idea are all three ways of saying the same thing it's a central idea that runs through the whole thing right
1: when you're making your uh, your (coughs) saying clearly how important are the illustrations you put in to illustrate or are you just simply <coughs> trying to, you know, just use verbiage instead of like the illustrations to, to really make those points
0: Well, up? yeah, no, they, they are, uh, the, the illustrations are important, but I don't, I often tell guys, number one is if you, If you're spending as much time finding an illustration as you are on building the sermon, it's too much. It's it's not... Illustrations are a lot of work. I work my butt off. People ask me, where do you get illustrations? Everywhere. I dig and work and pay money. And I'm... It's worth it to me. So, but in this, uh, uh, is that... I got that illustration at the beginning. Uh, it, I don't think you, you heard it, but uh, I got that illustration and I edited it. He had long and I edited it down. There's a whole bunch of stuff that is immaterial. What's the point of the story? Make it as short and to the point as possible. So I, I do that. I try to, in this setting, is, I don't have a lot of illustrations um, in a serious man usually because it's more in straight teaching but in sermons yeah I work out altar calls when I was a concert preacher I was constantly working looking searching back in my day there was no Google I had to stop at these buildings. They were called libraries. (laughs) (laughs) I had to open these things called books. It was so difficult. (laughs) And you tell that to the kids of today, and they don't believe (laughs) you. Somebody else? Something else you want to ask? No. So let me, show me, open to Colossians 4, there for, just for a second. So I'll just expand on what Rich just asked. You gonna, let me see it. So, uh, okay. Okay. Okay, so look, here's the uh, the original scripture, 4, 3, and 4. Meanwhile, praying also for us, in other words, pray for us, that God would open to, for us a door for the Word to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am also in chains. Verse 4, that I may make it manifest, and I know from other translations that I may... Say it clearly or proclaim it clearly as I ought to speak. Okay, so, I want you to notice something here. In, this is the scripture I, I, uh, I preached about a month ago, a sermon uh, called Open Doors. And I used this verse. And I was talking about, and I, I was emphasizing in this, that God would open a door for the Word. So in that case, I was emphasizing and and, and uh, developing the thought of open doors. Okay, so then speaking the of mystery of Christ, I ignored because I, that was not relevant to that to that message. Now today, my whole point is ministering clearly. So in this case, I'm ignoring open the door for the Word. So, you understand, my point is, I could take from these verses, I could go off on a tangent of prayer, the power of prayer. I could talk about open doors for a while. I could talk about the mystery of Christ, speaking the mystery of Christ, uh, for which I'm in chains. I could talk about persecution or the cost of serving God that I may make it manifest and and show what the word manifest means as I ought to speak. So there's six or seven different things. That would be muddy. It would all be true, but that would be one of those where at the end you go, what was he talking about? Could be meat, could be cake. don't know. You're not really sure. So that is what uh, Daniel said he called it a thesis. It's I call it either a theme or a big idea. I'm choosing one. So now, once I choose one, that tells me what to eliminate. I eliminate the chains. I eliminate the open door. That's not relevant to what I'm trying to communicate today. So that, that streamlines it. That makes it very very. Important. And then, now having chosen that theme, I have to, uh, I then have to develop it logically. So I showed the problem. He was asking that he might communicate clearly because it's possible to not communicate clearly. I'm then thinking logically, because this is a very practical lesson, what are some ways that people do that? And I showed that. And then, what happens if we communicate clearly? If we don't do that, which is, God does more than we can do. So, therefore, what I've done is I've chosen a theme, developed it logically, so that it has the greatest chance of sticking in someone's brain. And that is clear communication, or hopefully it's clear communication. Yes?
1: So if you have it written down, the idea that you want to communicate, um, what have you found helps you the most to be able to get the words out? Because there's no way that you're going to have every single word you're going to say written down on paper. Or no. Like 10 feet
0: no, no, I don't write it out word for word. No. So
1: is it, is it just practice and experience, or are there certain things that you would write that um, trigger you to be able to say it the way that you want to actually? There's
0: so many other... <coughs> yeah. Okay. Yep. It's, it's like how you get to Carnegie Hall. Practice, <laughs> practice, practice. Okay. Um, yeah. So, you know, different guys write their notes differently. I used to use more trigger notes, very small, but the, the issue is like my Sunday schools in particular and numbers of my sermons, they get distributed. So I actually write out more than I would personally need. I could, I could look, uh, uh, word has power. And I, I, and I would know what to say, but if someone else saw my notes, I deliberately write out every serious man. If you're smart, there are some guys, if they're smart, they have a very big file to refer to. I get pioneers who they say, I refer back to what you said. So I write my notes not just for myself. I actually write them in some way because other people read them. But what your question is, is what should you do? You should do what works best for you.
1: And you, know, you should some practice. Of some of your, some of your uh, materials that I use, like say a Bible study or something, even if I'm going over the same stuff, I put a lot more things in there because I'm not going to remember.
0: No, Absolutely but the point of what you get from us in Bible study is deliberately called a skeleton I'm not, I'm not trying to give you the whole you know I'm not trying to give you everything I'm wanting you to put extra in so that's not how my notes look my notes are are what I taught today you'll see it in just a second I, I taught from these notes and you'll have them in your hands and you can put them on ebay <laughs> yes this isn't really about the lesson, but about doing the notes. Have you noticed that certain, when you're doing the, the points that you have on there, certain points take a certain amount of time? I, I know by how much paper. I, I know filling up one side mm-hmm. like that. I know that that is 18 to 24 minutes worth. I know that. If I put it over and it goes to here, I know that that is thirty to thirty eight minutes worth. And that's when you're pre- when you're when I'm preaching, okay. it, yes. So I I can't I can't say that works for everybody, but I know <laughs> That's that's why when I do a sermon I'm loath as my eyes got worse that's why I got to get better glasses and maybe I'll have Mr Magoo glasses this week <laughs> <piece> someday <laughs> because I don't want to go beyond I don't want to have to raise my font because I like knowing how much time it's going to take if I go over if I ever go over two pages nope that's not going to work I gotta I gotta cut it back okay.
1: right it seems you, you trying just In my mind, and and the little experience that I might have, the theme is so extremely, um, like like Daniel, you you were discussing with him, just grabbing onto a theme and staying with the theme is so extremely difficult because of the Word of God. And, And like you said, in just a small two verses, there's so much there. Yeah. And it seems like you have just to have like a, a just an enormous amount of discipline to really stay focused on yeah. the team. It's like it seems like to me, I don't know, and talking maybe talking to some of the other guys, it just seems like that's the biggest part of the work is to like that's a great thought, but sorry. It's it's yeah. not going to be a, it's yeah. not acceptable.
0: So, the whole point so, of of a theme is ultimately, it takes it takes work to train your brain to do it. But once you start thinking like that, it makes your life so much easier. I can tell you it will save you mega hours if you will use it, if you'll stick to a theme. It makes your life easier.
1: Well, with a rotten brain like mine, just having any thoughts to aim towards God, we're wonderful, so you've got like all these pictures. I can't use that.
0: The hard drive is full. If I can get the lyrics to Gilligan's Island out of there, I will have much more room. Drugs and cartoons. The problem is, Dwayne immediately, immediately, right, right then, when as soon as I said that, come listen to a story about faithful. And now I won't
1: hear your sermon this morning. <laughs>
0: there you go very spiritual okay guys thanks